open your Bibles to John chapter 11 and verse 1. Uh, we are a note-taking church. We follow along in church uh, because it's important for your relationship and your walk with the Lord. And I'm going to show you how important it is to follow along in your Bible because you're going to see a revelation on your own today. And then you're going to take notes because you take what God is saying to you seriously. And then on top of that, we are a responsive church. We know how to give a good amen. amen. We know how to give a good amen. amen. Yeah, we're close. <laughs> Pastor Emily started stealing all my lines. I had, she was up here and she was little Miss Comedian. I said, you be careful. I, I got the mic next. <laughs> no, I'm not going to make jokes. I want to sleep in the same bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go to John chapter 11, verse 1, and I, I want to read this. This is the story of Lazarus uh, raising from the dead. And I'm going to pull out, so we're going to kind of skip around a little bit so I can paint the picture, but I can't read the whole thing. And then we'll ex pray and extract the truth. So stay with me, stay locked in. If it feels warm in here, just start fanning yourself. I know I feel hot underneath these lights up here. If it's just me, say, it's just you, preacher. And <laughs> Okay, um, so we'll just keep rolling and we're going to see what God has to say to us. Look with me in verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It's, it was that Mary who anointed, it's describing who it was, anointed the Lord with a fragrant oil and wiped her his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister said to him, uh, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus very much. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. Listen, he says, they say through the unction of the Holy Spirit, John's writing, Now Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he left? No, he stayed two more days in the city that he was in. And we're going to come back to that point. He stayed two more days. Then skip down with me to verse 14. Then it says this. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But he just said Lazarus won't die. Now he's saying Lazarus is dead. This is, it can be conflicting and confusing, but we're going to bring some clarity to it here in a moment. And God wants to bring clarity in your life. And he said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Verse 17, skip down. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Everybody say four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews who had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. These were hired people. They hired mourners. Then Martha, as soon as he heard that Jesus was coming, went to and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I want you to underline that phrase right there. But even now. I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. 
right after she says this, he responds by saying, your brother will rise again. And she thinks it's in a distant time. See, God, when God brings a word for you, it's a word for today, not for the future. It's a word for right now for you. He said, and she said, oh, well, he'll rise again in the resurrection day one day. And he says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Bridge Church, that's what God is asking us today. Do you believe? Because it all starts there. Doubt is a choice. So isn't faith. Do you believe? So skip down now with me again. In verse 33, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? Then Jesus wept. See how he loved him, they said. Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept the man from dying? Don't listen to skeptics who have no investment in your life. These are observers who wanted to share opinions where they had no investment into it. Then Jesus said, and he was groaning and he was speaking to himself in the spirit and speaking to the father. He came to the tomb, the cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Somebody say, take it away. Come on, somebody say, take it away. Lord, by this time there's a stench in there for he's been dead for four days. Did I not say, I love how he does that. Did I not say to you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? Now do you see the progression? First you believe, then you shall see. And then he prays and he has a conversation with his father and he starts having this conversation. He says, and he does it out loud and he says, well, I'm going to have this conversation, this prayer time out loud for their benefit because I want them to see the relationship you and I have. And then after he has his conversation so that he can see, they all see the connection of relationship, he says, Lazarus, come forth, stand up, and walk. Calls him forth, and Lazarus, the Bible says, was bound head to toe, covered completely like a mummy. And then when he got out of the tomb completely, he said, loose him. Somebody say, loose him. Slap your neighbor and say, I'm about to turn loose. Man, somebody slapped somebody really hard. I heard that one up here. Lord, we have mercy. We have forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's going on to good soil. I thank you even right now, God, there are people praying and interceding, God, Lord, that came in here needing just some a pick-me-up, needing some energy, needing some life. Life has been beating them down. The enemy's been taking territory, and they feel like they are struck down, destroyed, but they are not destroyed. God, Lord, you're about to speak life and resurrection life over them, and God, what once was dead is coming back. What once was gone is coming back. God is about to restore somebody today. God is going to restore faith today. God is going to restore passion today. God is going to restore hope today. God is going to reawaken and bring revival today. In Jesus name, I thank you God Lord that you're going to anoint me to do your will and speak your word and not mine. Flow through me Holy Spirit. Get Landon out of the way and let God take control. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, We've been doing this series This Is. In the first part I don't know if you remember, hopefully you you were here. It's this is rising. And so we talked about rising. 
getting off the floor like David was in shame and his and, and ashes and, and, and he stood up and went and ate and then all of a sudden Solomon came. He, he learned how to get up off the ground. Then we talked about this is running. Remember last week, this is running, man. And we talked about how to run with God and how tradition will try to hold us right back, but truth will set us free. It's tradition that always wants the tangible. We're going to take the gold that God gave us, melt it down and make a calf because I want something I can touch to worship. Tradition always wants something tangible, but truth is always transcendent. I want something, I want to worship a God who's out of my reach. I want to worship a God who's beyond my control. I'm not here to worship a tomb because he ain't in it. I'm not here to worship a cross because he's not on it. I'm not here to worship a church building because this isn't, this is just a place where we gather and we magnify. You are the living temple of God. But when we come together, all of a sudden it's enhanced. And that's why you feel it because we're all coming together saying, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do this. Let's all magnify by our powers combined. This is Captain Planet or however that goes. When we come together, it, it becomes a magnification of God's presence in our life. And so that's why we come together is to say, okay, now today, this is the word. I want you to write this down. This is revival. Come on, somebody who knows what revival. Anybody grow up in church like I did? You went to tent revivals and you went to late night meeting revivals and you learned how to, man, I love that. That was my bread and butter. We went to church all sunup, sundown, come back Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We'd be at church all week. Because we were having what? Revival. We were just breaking out because we didn't have enough. Did you know we have church on Tuesday night? We have church on Wednesday night. We have church on Thursday night. We're having church on Monday night. We have church on Sunday. We've almost had church every day of the week here at this building because God is doing something. You see but a small portion. I, that's why I want a bigger building because I want, my, I want all of our family to know each other. There are so many times, every time we come to church, and a different, you, you, you pick a different service, and you're like, oh, I didn't know you. You go to church? Oh, my God. We got to That's great. I want to have a bigger building simply to have one service. Plus, preaching four times in one day is a lot. Especially, y'all know how crazy I get. But, man, I, it's because God's growing our family because there's revival coming. And it means to stir and a reawakening of. And, and you know what's so powerful is God is doing it, not just teaching it. Because good teaching will only get you so far. The Bible says that Jesus, I, this isn't even part of the message. Holy Spirit's just taking over. But the, the Bible says that Jesus went everywhere preaching, teaching, and healing every manner of sickness and disease. And if all you got is teaching, you're not operating like Jesus. If all you got is fiery preaching, but you ain't got no healing, you don't have have church you got to have a threefold ministry of what Jesus did you got to teach well you got to preach well and by God you better see the hand of God move in every service because it's not anything come on somebody it's not anything stay with me it's not anything till he shows up doesn't mean nothing doesn't mean nothing. I can whoop and holler and I can take my preaching kerchief and I can get crazy up here but it doesn't mean nothing without his anointing it's nothing without him. And God is showing up. And when he shows up, this is when we, we, we start off at the beginning of this passage. And he starts off by, because whenever Jesus preaches, whenever Jesus shows up, man, he's going to turn something up. Whenever Jesus shows up, man, dead people are coming to life. Whenever Jesus starts preaching, 20,000 people are going to gather. Whenever, Jesus could hold the attention of 20,000 people outside all day long with no microphone and no music. 
isn't a preacher in the world that could do that right now. I don't care how pretty they are. I don't care how talented they are. Jesus, when he showed up, man, whoo, that was the only one who could show up and say, oh, yeah, watch what I can do. Because he would flip over religious systems. He would turn tables. He would, he would change up the paradigm. He'd say, you know what? You told me I can't touch the unclean, but I'm going to show you how to take the unclean and make them clean. That's what I came to do. And he's going to turn everything. Jesus, when he showed up, oh, you never knew what was going to happen. And so that's why they called for him. That's why the worshiper called for him. That's why the worshiper knew who to call on. The worshiper, somebody's going to get this in your mind real quick. This is what the Holy Spirit's saying to you right now. The worshiper knew who to call. The other people didn't know who to call. The worshiper knew who to call. The worshiper knew who to go to. The worshiper knew who to send. And this was before. Remember when I said you need to read in your Bible with me so that you can see the revelation yourself? Turn to the next page in your Bible, chapter 12 if you can. And I want you to see what happens. He talks about her washing his feet with her hair, but it hadn't happened yet. He gave her credit for the worship she was going to do. Some of you, all you need is the opportunity and God sees the intent of your heart. He's going to give you favor on credit. He's going to give you grace on credit. He's going to give you an extension of grace. He goes, I know, I know you're jacked up and I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to even get mad when I do show up. That's all good because I know you have a heart for worship. And when you have a heart for worship, God gives you credit. God gives you credit, but beyond what you're really approved for. Somebody said hallelujah. He gives you credit and he gives you favor beyond what you really can pay for. He gives you so much more. He doesn't give favor and credit. He doesn't give that to anybody other than worshipers. And this was an extravagant worship. This is a woman who knew how to extravagantly work. And God told me, Landon, you cannot preach about the resurrection before you start. You have to preach about the worship first. I put the worshiper in this story before she even did it because I need to teach my people that worship precedes the revival that needs to come. And worship has to come first. Worship's got to happen. And that's why I, I am so just passionate about building churches everywhere we can that know how to worship, that know how to raise their hands and lift their voice. Because you can have an empty building and get nothing done. And you can have a, fill, a full building and get nothing done. The building won't do it. It's the people who worship in it. And you got to worship God. you got to worship God in spirit and in truth. And she worshipped him extravagantly. And still, she had problems. You can love Jesus. And Jesus love you. And still have issues. No, no, no. I feel like a bunch of holy saints just heard that. You can be a sinner and God still love you. You can be jacked up and still have Jesus on your side. You can, you can have tragedy. You can have death. Good thing, good, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The good comes to those who are. God is for. What makes the difference is I've got God through my storm. I've got God in my good times. I've got God. I know I've got God with me. That, that's the whole difference. I, I'm not living without hope. I'm not living without faith. I'm not living. How, what a terrible life would that be to live without hope? But worshipers know how to do that. And he, 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 this is where the, the challenge comes in is because then the brother he, that he loved, that she loved, dies. He dies. First he tells his disciples, don't worry. 
he's not going to die. You ever had God tell you something good? Don't worry, it's all going to work out. And then what happens? Doesn't work out? You're like, wait a minute. God, you told me. Come on, how, anybody have a job that you were like, no, I know the Lord put me there, and then all hell breaks loose. You're like, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. No, no, I got married to her, but I didn't know she was this wild. I, you know, I didn't understand. You, you get involved in this. There's, there's my little. But I have, you have this. I'm telling you, you, you can go ahead, and you can love Jesus. And, and you, we, we have taught Christianity that once you accept Jesus, oh, all is good. How's it going, brother? Oh, God is good. All the time. And all the time. Anything going wrong? No! And then we have like, you know, times where we'll be getting around together as men and guys are sharing their hearts and you got that one guy's like, oh, y'all got craziness going on over here. I've never had anything go wrong in my life. Y'all are weird. And they live in denial. Because you know what? That, that's never going to help you. We try to revise our past and our history and where we've come from when really God's looking for you to be vulnerable, not deceptive. And he wants you to come forth and say, you know what? I, can, I got issues. I, I got death in my family. I got tragedy in my family. That doesn't mean God doesn't love me. That means God does love me. He's going to help me through it. God's going to walk me through it on this side of heaven or the next. But God is for me, so who can be against me? And if God is, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, God, help us understand that God can love us and we can still have problems. God has not forsaken you, and you can still have problems. And that's how it works. God wants to shake some things up. So then, then it goes from there, and he, uh, he walks up, and he, you know, now he's saying, okay, Lazarus is dead. It's been two days. I waited, and Lazarus died, right? He waited two days, and then he went to go. You ever needed God so badly at a specific moment? And him not show up? Am I preaching to anybody? I don't know who I'm talking to, but have you ever had, you ever needed God so much? See, this is where Martha walked. Martha was upset. She said, look, the, the next line after he finally shows up, he waited two days with no excuse. I would love, see, for me as a preacher, I'm looking, I'm like, okay, well, maybe Jesus was praying for other people. Maybe Jesus had like an agenda. Maybe Jesus had to make a couple stops. Maybe Jesus was held up by the devil himself and he was being tested again. I don't, I would love if there was an excuse for Jesus, but there's no excuse for Jesus. As a preacher, that's difficult to understand that Jesus said, no, I'm going to make him wait. Because I'm not coming to do what they expected me to do. I'm coming to do the unexpected. And I'm coming to do it in my time. I'm coming to do it my way. Because if I do it your way, you're going to get the credit. But if I do it my way, I'm going to be glorified. And that was the point is to change it. She said, she, she, finally he got there. And he said, she said, where have you been? If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, Jesus, where were you when they were abusing me? Jesus, where were you when my child died? Jesus, where were you when I was in pain? Where were you when the life was taken? Where were you when I was going through divorce? Where were you when I was locked up? Where were you, Jesus? 
Because a lot of churches, we, we like to teach about, oh, when God answers. I, most churches, most people, man, you would tell me right now, preacher, I don't need you to tell me what to do when God answers my prayer. I don't need you to tell me how to respond when God is talking with me and always with me and never leaving me and things are going right. I don't need you to tell me how to worship when everything's going my way. Preacher, tell me how to respond when God isn't around. Right. How do, what do I do? Because even she responded, God, where are you? I prayed and you didn't answer. I gave at church. I served and I loved you and my family still fell apart. Where were you? Where were you when I got all, all the heartache? And, where were you? And after she says that, that's when like the victory cry comes because she, she got out what she was angry about. And I love how Jesus responds. Jesus doesn't chastise her. Jesus didn't say, how dare you talk to me like that? How dare you speak? How dare? God looks at us like his children. And if your child came running to you in pain, crying, he wouldn't look at you and say, suck it up, get it. Come on, pull it together. He would say, hey, that's okay. I'm with you. I got you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you. I'm with you. Hey, no, no, that's okay. And you could be yelling at him screaming and cussing and crying and all he's going to do is say it's all good because then what she says is one of the most powerful statements in the Bible she says but even now I wish somebody would have an even now moment and mentality and kind of faith where even now you could show up even now in my loss even now in my disappointment even now when tragedy strikes even now when I had given up hope even now you're here even now, you can raise him from the dead. Somebody, oh man, I'm preaching. I'm feeling God right now. Come on, Barry. I'm, somebody's going to start. I'm going to make you dance with me. But we're, God is saying, and even now, moment, Shane, and even now, even now, you could do it all. Even now, you can provide. Even now, you can show up. Even now, even now, even now, you can do it. I got to keep moving. But even now, God can do the unexpected. God can do the impossible. God, e even now, where you were praying and all you intercessors and people who love this city and love this state, God, where is revival? God, where is, where is a revival that can break out? God, where were you last year when we were praying for it? Where were you 10 years when we were going to the last church and we were fighting for it and faith for it? Where were you, God? And God, But even now, God can show up. And it's on his timing and in his way to bring revival in this church, revival in Flagstaff. Revival in our state. Revival. Even now. Even now. And that's when he responds. He, oh, he just, whoo. He hears her faith and he says, he will rise again. He's going to come to life right now. Let's deal with this. And he starts marching, and I can see my Savior marching. He's like, okay, I am the resurrection, Josh. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will have eternal life. And he begins to declare who he is. And when he whenever Jesus declares who he is, it, it changes everything. It changes everything. All of a sudden, the dynamic of the story starts to shift. And now everybody's shutting their mouth and stop whining and crying. And he starts going over. He says, hey, take me where you laid him. Well, now we got to do the next thing. You, you, I told you he'd rise again. Show me where you put him. Now, let me ask you a question, a deep theological question. Do you think Jesus needed directions? 
I know. It's a, you need to go to apologetics, hermeneutics. You need to go through all the old survey, new survey. You need to study for about a good six years before you answer that question. No. He didn't need to. So why did he put it in the Bible and why did he ask? Why did he ask? Why did he ask? Brandon, why did he ask? And I, the Holy Spirit told me this. He said, I wanted them to take me to the place where they gave up. I needed them to take me to the place where their faith quit. I needed them to take me to where they just started going to church instead of being to church. I needed them to take me to the moment where they decided to quit. I needed you to take me to the place. Somebody, let God take you to the place. Show him the way, God, this is where, this is where I gave up. This is the moment, God, where death struck me and I decided to quit. This is the moment where I tried to cover it up and all my sin and shame is in here, locked in here behind this God, help us. Show him. Show him where you get, because that place where your faith quit is where his faith shows up. God can't resurrect something that's still living. Once you're dead, that's a reason for revival. God doesn't need to heal somebody who's not wounded. God doesn't need to save somebody who's not lost. God is ready to show up for somebody who said, death has struck me. And God says, perfect. Show me the tomb because that's where life is coming. I'm coming strong. I'm coming with the heat. I'm coming with everything I've got. And God is ready to show up. Man, and he's looking at that tomb. And he says, roll it away. Everybody say, roll it away. Come on, say, roll it away. Come on, do you want it to roll away? He says, roll it away. She says, no. It, it smells back there. It's been four days. And you think it's just a, a little thing. And it may just be a minor point. But I thank God that he sent a Savior who's not turned off by the smell of the death and sin and shame in our life. But our Savior's willing to... No, it's all right. I'm good. Take me to that stinky place. Take me to that smelly place. Take me to that place where you don't want to talk about. Take me to that place where you try to hide. Take me to that place where you've locked it up behind here and you thought nobody else knows about this. Take me to that place. Take me to the place where you tried to cover it up, where you rolled that stone of doubt over, where you rolled that stone of unbelief that you didn't think I could save you. You didn't think I could heal you. You didn't think I could really deliver you from that. Take me to that place and roll that stone away because I want to deal with the smelly stuff today. And he wants to deal with it. He wants to deal with the stuff you haven't dared to speak of. Because you rolled the stone because it's easier to act like it's dead when it really smells. It's easier to give up than it is to fight. It's easier to let it go than it is to walk in faith. If I quit, at least I can cut that off. <sighs> Don't quit. Don't give up. Show God. Show him where. Let him roll the stone away. Because then what happens next is he starts having a conversation with the Father. And I want you to write this down. This is going to be the process of what we see throughout this scripture. He's going to have the conversation out loud. Why? So that you and I know the relationship. And it takes relationship to bring revelation. And revelation is what brings revival. You'll never get revi revelation without relationship. And you'll never have revival without revelation. 
It takes a revelation of what? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life for you. I am your hope. I am your one true God. I am all you need. The, resurre- the revelation of who God is starts bringing revival in you. Man, I, I, there are people who come to this church and they hear the preaching and they hear the word and they're like, man, I've been able to put my Bible down all week. I read my Bible more. I pray more. I listen to worship music more. And I'm like, come on, praise God. That's awesome because you know why? There's a relationship that's bringing a revelation that's going to bring revival. And it doesn't come from a whole, all group and corporately at once. It goes one heart at a time. Even the Bible in Acts chapter 2, everybody thinks it was just a corporate outpouring, but it was one by one. It says, and, uh, and it sat upon each one of them individually, one at a time. One at a time, Bob. One at a time. One at a time. It wasn't just for the guy next to you and not you. It was for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it was for me. It's for you. It's for you. Revival is for you. And then I'm going to wrap it up right here. I'm going to wrap it up right here. I promise. Then he says, Lazarus! No, no. Y'all, y'all may put the mic to my mouth. Lazarus! Yeah. My Savior didn't walk up to my tomb. He didn't walk up to where I was covered. He didn't walk up to where death was covering me. He didn't walk up in my darkness. And he didn't say, hey, Landon, if you'll come forth. He said, Landon, come forth! Right. He called somebody. He said, no, I'm not, call- I'm not just walking up and whispering something. I came to call you out of darkness into my marvelous life. And God is calling you out of your tomb, out of your tomb, out of your grave, out of your grave. Let revival come. Death is no more. Death can't have a sting. Oh, we're having church today. Revival is here. It's not a message it's a movement. It's not a little teaching. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when you catch revival deep down in the depths of who you are, you'll understand where we're going. Because then he says, okay, here we go. Lazarus, come forth. And I want you to picture this with me. Look at this. This is Lazarus' tomb. It was in a cave, they said. It was a cave with a stone rolled over it for his tomb. This was all dark. But out here, it's all light, and all they could see is darkness. Now, Lazarus is in there. Stones rolled away. The smell's going away. Jesus calls him forth, and Lazarus is wrapped up, all mummified. Can you imagine waking up from the dead, and you sit up, and you are wrapped up like a mummy? First thing I would do is rip it all off. We'll get to that in a minute. He couldn't even, they had to loose him. But let me tell you what happened. He's all wrapped up and he's, he's trying to come out and he can't see anything, but all he hears. He doesn't, he can't. When you're coming from something that's so dark, a whisper is really hard to hear when your ears are wrapped with death and shame and sin. But when, when, but when you hear a loud, Lazarus! All of a sudden, a dark place becomes easy to find your way out. And all of a sudden, you don't really know where you're going. You're just walking into a church, and you don't know how things go, and you're just kind of feeling your way through. But all you can hear is, Lazarus, come forth. And you hear your name, and you hear God calling you, and you just kind of keep moving, and you take one faithful step at a time because all you can't see anything right now. God hasn't unveiled everything to you. 
but you're coming out of the dark. Say, I'm coming out. Come on, somebody say, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm going to move my way out of here. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep getting my way out. And as you're coming out, man, all you can hear is the voice of God, and you just keep listening, and you keep going. But for the, us out here, we're looking in. We're just seeing the empty tomb. We just see darkness, right? You see a dark tomb up there. And all you hear was Jesus right next to you. Can you imagine me standing right up next to you and screaming, Lazarus! All you hear is that. But then all of a sudden, in between every scream, you hear, all of a sudden you hear, you hear footsteps. Oh, well, what's going on? Let me tell you, footsteps are the sound of revival. Footsteps, you may not, you may have already been out of the darkness, but you hear a brother and you hear a sister coming out of dark, and all you hear are footsteps. All you hear are these steps coming out. Man, in sports, they tell you when you hear footsteps, start looking around because somebody's gonna hit you real good. You start, you, you get ready, you get ready because something's happening. You get ready, something's moving. You get ready because something's coming. That's why when you hear footsteps, oh, when you hear the sound of revival, it doesn't come any other way than footsteps of people one by one, each individual at a time that's saying, I'm making my way. All I can do is hear the voice of God. All we hear are your footsteps and we're calling you out of darkness. That's how revivals begin, Harrison, right? It, it begins by saying, hey, let's get the lost saved at any cost. It begins by saying, let's feed 500 kids. It begins by saying, let's go build another church. Let's launch another location. Let's knock a wall down and make more room. Revival begins by one step at a time. One step, one step. All you hear is footsteps. I pray somebody just start hearing footsteps in their mind and in their heart and the depths of their soul that all you hear are those footsteps coming. Those footsteps are coming. That revival is coming. The time is now. Oh, church, come on, stand with me. Stand with me. I've got to close. I've got to close. Stay with me. Stay with me, though. Don't lose me. Revival is here, and it's by one step coming out of the grave, coming out of darkness coming out of your sin, coming out of your death. Where did you give up on God? Where did you decide to roll that stone away? You need to start taking steps of revival towards God and say, man, I don't even know how to work my way out of here, but maybe you're the other side. Maybe you're the other side where you're the people and you're praying and you're believing for those friends and those family members to come to God and to hear the call of God in their life. Let me tell you, when he walked out, Jesus then spoke to everybody else and he says, loose him. Somebody say, set them loose. Come on, say, set them loose. We got to turn them loose. We got to walk. There was a point in my life where somebody walked up to me. Yeah, I'm going to use you, Barry. Uh, or somebody walked up to me, took my hand, said, let's do this together. Let's walk. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how to do it. It's all right. Let's do this together. I'm going to take you. We're going to go on a walk. Let's turn around now. And I'm going to go. I'm going to take you with me, and we're going to show you how to do it. Somebody took me by the hand and helped take the bandages off of me. When was the last time you took the bandages off of somebody else to say, hey, man, I know how it is. I know how it is. Let's do this. Let's take this off together. Let's take it off. Take the limits off. Oh, man, right there. Take the limits off. Take the limits, the bondage of limitation that says you will never be free. You will never see what God is doing. You'll never feel what that preacher's preaching about. You'll never get there. And God's saying, time to set them loose. Time to turn them loose, church. It wasn't Jesus. Hear me now. It was the people who set them loose. 
It was Jesus who brought life. Whew, I feel the Holy Spirit on this. I didn't give this to any other congregation today except for you because you're special. But for real, the Holy Spirit just told me that. that that's our job. That's my job, Harry. That's our job. It's our job to take the bandages off. It's his job to do the life. He'll give them life. We'll take care of the dirty stuff. We'll get rid of the old rags. We'll get rid of the old ways. We'll help put them in a C group. We'll get them here on Wednesday nights. We'll get them here every Sunday morning. We'll start praying with them. We'll visit them at their house. We'll go ahead and go have coffee with them. We're going to help somebody set them loose. Come on, church. Say, set them loose. Set them loose. Set them loose. Let revival come. Come on, let's give God some praise in this place. Let's give God some praise in this place.